Welcome to the next episode of the Brio in the Box podcast, brought to you by Brio Plus, our own line of custom-formulated, small-batch-crafted supplements. Today, we're featuring our whey protein and our cinnamon swirl flavor. So this one I use as an ingredient in things, more so than like mixing it up like a protein shake. Mm-hmm. To eat a few more like tasty things like muffins or pancakes or granola, but try to tilt the macro profile towards protein, which is what you need to build and grow and repair and get stronger. Um, and also what makes you feel full. Protein's the most satiating macronutrient. So I've been posting lots of recipes uh, for how I add protein powder to things here and there. I'm going to feature today the protein granola recipe. So if you're the kind of person that just like loves eating oats in the morning, it's not ideal to have carbohydrates in the morning specifically. The timing there doesn't work well uh, with your hormones. But if you just love it and you just kind of have that habit, my protein granola, we still use oats, but we add um, healthy fats, coconut oil or ghee, and then a bit of protein and some egg whites and you bake it and it gets all you know, kind of crumbly little granola chunks. And then you can use that on top of like a full fat Greek yogurt. You have this little crunchy granola topping, but overall you're getting mostly protein and fat and less of the carbohydrate in the morning that sends you on the insulin. Cinnamon swirl. Cinnamon swirl. So today's episode is part two of our three part series on how to be successful in CrossFit. So the first part um, we defined being successful in CrossFit as doing it forever. Mm -hmm. CrossFit for life, doing the thing that most people can't do, which is stick to an exercise program forever. Yeah. So we talked in the first part all about the mindset, how to properly approach with the right attitude and mindset at the different phases through your CrossFit life cycle, through the journey right. of being a CrossFitter. Today, we're going to talk about how to get fitter, how mm-hmm. to like maximize the benefit, the training benefit from your time in the gym. So how do you get fitter? Well... I think the most important thing is you have to try harder. And that's it. There. That's it. That's the whole thing. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Uh, you're stuck See you next week. <laughs> See you next week. That could, that's it right there. Yeah. Uh, let's dig into that. Okay. Let's elaborate. <laughs> let's elaborate on how to try harder. What does yeah. that mean? So one of my favorite quotes, I'm going to attribute it to Adrian Conway, but I'm not positive that that's where it came from, that you don't need a harder workout. You need to try harder on the workout. Yeah. Most people will think the challenge is like making a bigger, beefier workout, yeah. so like longer, more reps, or heavier weights. Like, oh, I'm so savage with my if 100 harder push-ups weight. is good than five. Um, it is not. <laughs> so we want to maintain intensity. The yeah. like unique factor with CrossFit, we talk about intensity all the time, which is let's try harder, right? Yeah. How hard are we going to try? Intensity, if we go. This is like level one course material. Intensity is the independent variable most commonly associated with increasing the rate of return of favorable adaptation. Direct quote. What does that mean? And variable most commonly associated with increasing the rate of return. So getting you more of what you want faster. Right. Of your favorable adaptations. Those are the things that you want. Anything that you want out of what you're doing in the gym. You want to get leaner. You want to get stronger. You want to get faster. It doesn't matter. The favorable adaptations come from maximizing intensity. Right. But intensity is like a very subjective thing, yeah. difficult to measure. So if I go, how hard does that feel? And you're like, eh, you sort of arbitrarily assign a number of like yeah. one to 10 or whatever. Difficult to measure, difficult to track and compare over time. So when we say intensity, 
we are talking about power. Yeah. Power is a measurable, very a measurable outcome. Yeah. Physics. It is physics. It is load. How heavy is it? Times distance. How far are you moving it? Divided by time. How long did it take you? Yeah. So load times distance. That's the work. Yep. Work over time. We're doing work for time always in CrossFit. That's where, um, that's the formula. Yeah. And we can measure all those things. So the load, you need a scale. You need to know how much something weighs. Yep. It's your body weight. It's barbell. It's a kettlebell. The distance, you would need a tape measure. Yeah. Right. How, how far, are you, far are you moving? And then the time, you need a stopwatch. Yeah. How long is it going to take you? How long does the work take you? Um, so I think the default there or faster when people are trying to make something harder they're trying to try harder yeah they go heavier mm-hmm. or we get hung up on rxing the workout yeah. rx or death <laughs> yeah, RX yeah. Or death. so we're gonna go through a little bit of math yeah yeah so distance is generally a standard right because every movement should have the same range of motion mm-hmm. uh, so you're not really changing your your movement or at least you shouldn't be um so we took fran which is 2159 thrusters and pull-ups. It's meant to be a very short workout. And the pull-ups for me would be the same. The thruster range of motion would be the same. We figured uh, I'm moving the bar approximately five feet. From so, the bottom of your thruster to the top. Yeah. Um, so those are our constants. Those things aren't going to change. So if we took it and did RX, which is 95 pounds for me, and if I cannot do that unbroken, I break those 2159 sets up into smaller sets and I take some breaks in between, you and you slow down and you end up having like a water break or something in there. So if it took me four minutes and 45 seconds, still under five minutes, but four minutes and 45 seconds to do an RX Fran, if we calculate um, the the power output of that, it is 4,500 pound feet per minute, okay? And then if you take the same exact workout, except we drop that weight down to 75 pounds, which allows me to say, move faster or go unbroken, don't take water breaks, transition from one thing faster, uh, then I end up doing it in three minutes. Um, The power output jumps up to 5,600. So I'm adding almost 25% uh, uh, power output just by dropping the weight down and going faster. By scaling the workout, you had more power, which means it was more intense which means you got more training adaptation and benefit out of doing that. So the goal is not necessarily all the time to RX or die, (laughs) RX or death, that you can get more benefit out of scaling properly and hitting the intended stimulus rather than going heavier or slow. Yeah. And a workout like Fran, there's guys that do it in less than (coughs) two minutes RX. So for you to do it in six or seven or eight minutes, even if you're doing it RX, you're doing a different workout Mm -hmm. than the guy that's doing it in two minutes. Yeah. That's a different stimulus. Yeah. You're doing heavy Fran. Yeah. Where they're doing fast, high intensity Fran. Yeah. So we know intensity is this thing that we want. We need to apply it. But we also need to be smart in how we're going to apply intensity. Right. We've said numerous times in the short lifespan of this podcast before mechanics, consistency, then intensity. Yeah. We need to move properly. We need to move properly all the time, even when we're tired. And then we apply intensity and go heavier or faster. Right. Um, so. In the beginning, when your mechanics, or <laughs> I won't say in the beginning, uh, forever, yeah. <laughs> when our mechanics are not perfect on every single movement, yeah. how do we, how and when do we apply intensity? Yeah. So if you looked at, like I post every Sunday, our week at a glance, all the workouts that we're going to do for the week, you can see what's coming up. 
you're going to strategically apply intensity to the, the movements or workouts where you know you have good mechanics. Right. You have mechanics and consistency. And so in the beginning, if you're, you know, um, coordination and balance and flexibility and stuff is not great for a lot of high scale movements. Well, cool. You're going to apply a shit ton of intensity to echo bike sprints and burpees and rowing and yeah. low scale movements where you're just, you're just going to get uncomfortable and you're just going to go fast yeah. and you can apply a lot of intensity very safely. Yeah. So it's not movements. like for the first three months you have zero intensity. It's all just learning movements. You just don't apply intensity on the high skill movements that take time to develop. You mm-hmm. apply intensity on the low skill easy to learn, you know, we show you a burpee and you can do them from now on with intensity. Yeah. And so then other movements, you have to do your time, right? We talked about this in a previous episode. You have to do your time to build the base, build your mechanics, earn your way into the higher skill movements by, you know, moving consistently well, and then you get to apply intensity. So if you, if you don't overhead squat well, guess what? You're not going to try to overhead squat heavy and fast. Yeah. You know, you're just, you're not there yet to layer on intensity. So it has to come in the right order. So if you looked at the week, you're going to apply your intensity to certain movements or certain workouts and not to others. And then other workouts, you're going to approach them with a different take. We're not necessarily just trying to go balls to the wall super fast. Yeah. You're kind of planting the seeds for future you Mm -hmm. to be able to apply intensity down the road. Play in the long game. Yeah. Yeah. So that you are working on earning your way into doing those movements faster or heavier. Yeah. Um, so maybe you're like, sometimes there's a particular goal in mind. Like you, you're going to do the open this year. Yeah. And you just know that the open is going to have thrusters and yeah. they're going to be 95 pounds. So yeah. you're like, I hate 95 pound thrusters, but I just have to get used to that weight on my and shoulders. There. And there. <laughs> <laughs> I am literally reading Still from there. David's biography <laughs> right now. <laughs> so you're, you're, it's going to be less intense. It's going to be lower power on the days that you choose yep. to attack that area that needs work. Yeah. So certain workouts, it's more appropriate to do those things, mm-hmm. right? If we have a five round for time workout and there's 75 reps and you're doing three or four reps at a time, it's going to take you forever to get through that workout. Mm-hmm. So your power output is going to drop. You're going to go over, you know, the next class will be warming up and you're still <laughs> chipping away. We're those turning are, the lights off yeah. and going home and you're still working. <laughs> They're mopping around your sweat. <laughs> yeah. There's, those are not the days to push the, to push it and go RX no matter what. Um, the best time is when we're doing an AMRAP because no matter what, you've got a set amount of time. You've got seven minutes or 20 minutes. Even if you work half as, half the speed as other people, we're all done at the same amount of time. So mm-hmm. if it's a for time workout, you know, scale ap- accordingly to get within the, the, the right stimulus, the goal time. If it's an AMRAP, that's the day to maybe test the waters with a heavier lift or a higher skill movement. Mm -hmm. So throughout the week, there are a variety of ways that you approach the different workouts. You can't always go light and fast. No. You can't always go heavy and slow. No. You need to do a little bit of both. Yeah. And there is a point where if I could do Fran at 55 pounds in three minutes, but I could also do Fran at 65 pounds in three minutes... I'm not getting the training benefit, the power output benefit anymore by scaling the weight. Now I do need to like push the weight. And if I can do the same movements at the same speed, but with more load, then that is a higher power output. So, and I think people get into a a frame of mind where they're like, well, my thruster weight is this. And Mm -hmm. anytime they see thrusters, they just use that same weight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to challenge yourself if you're going to get better. So if you have been using 55 pounds for thrusters for the last three years, it's probably time to to make an an adjustment and Mm -hmm. and 
test the waters a bit. Yeah. Um, I th- we're sort of talking about that from the perspective of a newer person. Yeah. Applying intensity to lower skill movements. I think that kind of comes all the way around, you know, in our last episode, we talked about like the post-competitive yeah. phase. Um, we've taken to calling it class fit. <laughs> now there are a lot of athletes at Brio. We had, you know, teams at regionals and some masters at the CrossFit games and stuff. Um, regionals hasn't been a thing for three years now. Um, so a lot of us are in that post-competitive phase. Yeah. Older. We all seem to be aging. What? Not really sure why that's happening. Uh, maybe can't train with maximum intensity. Yeah. Five or 10 times a week, right? You just, you know, you can't go balls to the walls all the time. So then, again, even a very advanced athlete is going to be selective in how they apply intensity. Maybe right. they're looking at the the week and they go, "Okay, I'm gonna, tr- I'm gonna try hard. I'm gonna give her shit on this workout on Tuesday and this one on Friday, and then other workouts in the week, we're gonna scale the weight. We're gonna work on mechanics. We're gonna move well. We're gonna treat ourselves to like more of an active recovery yeah. day. There's a variety of ways that you apply and layer in yeah. intensity, and it depends on what you have going on." you know, in the rest of your life, how yep. much like time and space you have for, for pushing yourself super hard in the gym. For sure. So we're working on mechanics of yep. specific movements. There can be a potential pitfall there where people spend too much time working on something specific that actually doesn't end up being that important. Yeah. So maybe like, I'm not a great rower. So maybe I have a workout in the open and I sucked on the rowing part. I'm going to work on rowing this year. And I row and row and row and row for hours and hours and hours work on it every week. And then the next year the open comes around and rowing is one movement in one workout out of half a dozen workouts. And it ends up that the 10% improvement didn't really benefit me overall in my placings or scores in, in a competitive sense. Yeah. But I spent all that time working on it was all that time I wasn't working on anything else. Yeah. And so we kind of call that like majoring in the minors. Yeah. Spending a disproportionate amount of time on something that in the end isn't really benefiting your overall fitness. Yeah. That much. Like there's more to it than just that one movement that you're not comfortable yeah. with. Or like spending so much time trying to get a muscle up. Yeah. It's like you should just, you know, show up and do regular CrossFit and squat and sprint and you know mm-hmm. do all the regular things is spending like an outsized amount of time on one particular skill really the most productive way for you to use your time in the yeah. gym not really so you start working yourself closer to a specialized athlete right where it's like that's what that's the opposite of what crossfit is supposed to be mm-hmm. crossfit is a generalist sport where we're pretty good at everything so if you just focus on you know muscle ups or handstand push-ups or whatever it's like you're you're starting to specialize in the gymnastics realm, which is the, not the overall goal. Yeah. So we get further away from CrossFit and we're, we're using fitness and CrossFit fitness, like interchangeably. Yep. Right? Fitness is our definition of fitness, broad capacity across the 10 generally recognized physical skills, across broad time and modal domains, short, medium, long, sprint, interval, whatever. Yeah. Um, broad capacity. So we try to stay away from specializing. So we don't want to major in the minors. Right but we still need to do our time on mechanics and consistency. Yeah. Um, there's also some differences in the way you approach a workout, mm-hmm. whether you're focused on putting up the best score or getting the most training benefit that yep. you need out of the workout. Yeah. So I always use the workout 
Helen as a good example. I'm not a good runner. <laughs> Duh. Anybody that knows me knows this is an understatement. I'm not a fast runner, but I can do the kettlebell swings and pull-ups unbroken. But if I, so that workout, if I want to post the best time, I'm going to dog the run and go fast on the things I'm already good at, which is the kettlebell swings and the pull-ups. Yeah. If I want to get better, fitter, attack a weakness in that workout, I'm going to sprint the shit out of those 400 meter runs. I'm going to be, I'm going to suffer the consequences. I'm going to suffer through the kettlebell swings and pull-ups and I'm probably going to have a worse time on that day. So that's gaming versus training. Is it game day? And I'm going to do whatever I can to just post the best score, Yeah. which means I'm going to dog my weaknesses and, and sprint on my strengths. Or do I want to use this time to get better at something, in which case I'm going to do it the other way around, but then I have to be able to check my ego because it's not necessarily going to be the fastest time on the board. Yeah. You have to put your blinders on. You have to ignore what everybody else around you is doing. You're focusing on getting better in the long run. Mm -hmm. And it's all about balance, right? It's not like every day you have to go in and subject yourself to torture to get long-term improvement. Once in a while, you can treat yourself and crush a workout and feel great. And mm-hmm. you've been like, hell yeah, I smashed that one. Yeah. doesn't mean that every day has to be negative, right? Yeah. Treat yourself to some good ones. But most of the time, especially when it's just a workout of the day where there's nothing on the line, there's it's not the open, you're not like in a competition, it's just fitness. If you want to get fitner, fitter, you have to, you know, attack your weaknesses. You have to try hard. You have to do things you otherwise wouldn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're starting to build like how we're approaching like a week or a month or a year of training, which is mm-hmm. like, we need to apply intensity, Yeah. but we're going to apply it selectively where we can do it safely yeah. in places where we have good mechanics and consistency places where we don't have that yet. We're also going to spend some of our training time building the base, yeah. working on the mechanics and the consistency, whatever that means. We need to, you know, look at the overall balance of our fitness and, and identify the areas of weakness we got to work on our weaknesses, but then also from two different perspectives, like you said, sometimes you're just going to treat yourself and smash a workout full of all your favorite things. Yep. It's good for your, it's good for the ego once in a while. <laughs> it's fun. It's reinforcing. It's fun to have those days. Mm-hmm. If we're talking from a competitive perspective, I always remember, I think it's Dave Lipson talking about Camille mm-hmm. LeBlanc-Bazinet in the time five or six years ago when she was like quite competitive. She won the CrossFit Games one year um, where he said, Yeah, she spends a lot of time attacking her weaknesses, but she also spends a lot of time training the shit out of her strengths so that when those certain workouts come up, she'll get the win. Because oftentimes in CrossFit, the way the scoring works, a win is more valuable than than a lower, than the difference between 25th or 30th place. So if you spend all this time attacking your weaknesses and you increase your placing by five points at the bottom of the pack, it doesn't actually benefit you as much as a win in certain events. So I always thought that that kind of, stuck with me because mm-hmm. so much we're like attack your weaknesses attack your weaknesses you're like yeah but also yeah not at the sacrifice of your strengths right yeah. you got to keep those high points high yeah and it's often a young young athlete that'll come in and say oh well i'm pretty small <coughs> and i want to gain some weight so i get stronger it's like yeah you need to get stronger and maybe getting bigger will help with that but if you get bigger are you going to lose your ability to do a lot of pull-ups or is it going to slow you down on the conditioning stuff if you strictly chain train the heavy stuff to the point where you put on 20 pounds and now your previous strengths are, are mm-hmm. have turned into a weakness. Like that's not helping you in the overall scheme of things. Yeah. So it's all about maintaining your strengths <coughs> while improving on your weaknesses. Yeah. And I think to like kind of bring it full circle, we're talking about implying, applying intensity to your strengths. Yeah. 
Totally. And so to the, the movements where you have good mechanics consistently. And so in the beginning, the list might just be fairly straightforward things, bike and row and burpee and whatever. As you build your base, you earn your way into more things. Maybe you, you squat snatch really well. Maybe mm-hmm. you bar muscle up really well. Maybe you whatever, double under really well higher skill movements. Well, guess what? Now you get to apply intensity to those things. You get to smash the shit out of those workouts too, yeah. right? You, you have more options for where you're going to apply yeah. intensity. So we've got kind of our, what are we going to do in the gym? Selectively apply intensity where we can and then pay our dues to build mechanics and consistently. And then all the things we need to do outside the gym. So the, the topic today is how to get fitter. Mm-hmm. So generally we're looking for... <clears throat> better aerobic capacity, better ability to generate energy per unit of oxygen, better strength. So yep. that's like a physiological adaptation of like more productive, lean body mass, more muscle. Yep. Um, and I guess we could say like better, better mechanics allows you to, to do more work, more efficiently, more yep. efficient movement, yep. which comes from more um, coordination technique based things flexibility so that's kind of a combination of like neurological adaptations Mm. um and physiological adaptations all of those adaptations happen outside the gym yeah so you do your work and you do your work well in the gym you can unwind all of that good work you did in the gym with shitty lifestyle habits (laughs) so you can get no benefit maybe even negative benefit yeah out of what you just did in the gym if you don't address all of the habits outside the gym yeah. to get fitter. So rest, you need to rest. Yeah. Exercise itself is catabolic. It breaks the body down. Yeah. You need to recover from it to get stronger, fitter, faster. It's not the training. It's recovering after the training that makes mm-hmm. you better. So rest days, super important. Yeah. And not even just rest, full rest days, <laughs> but like rest time, right? Like you can't work out eight hours a day yeah. and just like go to a job and sleep for six hours and think you're going to improve yeah so what's the line you have to choose rest before rest chooses you Mm. if you don't value your rest you will just get burnout yep either mentally or physically you'll get injured or run down or whatever um a big part of rest is sleep yeah sleep is when you produce the majority of your growth hormone growth hormone is is the messenger that goes around and tells your bones to get stronger and your muscles to get bigger and even like your skin it's like got an anti-aging effect it even has like anti-cancer properties like growth hormone is your friend Mm -hmm. you produce growth hormone um, in your deep sleep so you need to be getting good quality deep sleep Um, things that inhibit growth hormone uh, insulin so eating too close to bed particularly high carbohydrate meals right before bed suppresses your growth hormone by like like huge, hugely depressing amounts by like 300%. Oh, wow. So don't eat close to bedtime. Sleep in the dark. So you get a good amount of, mm-hmm. of melatonin. So limit the blue light, turn the lights down the last couple hours before bed. Other things that can help you get into more deep sleep, uh, you can mani- manipulate your temperature. So like a hot bath, hot shower, sauna. That, that sounds paradoxical. To get into deep sleep, you need to lower your body temperature. So you go, wait, but you're telling me to get really hot before mm-hmm. bed. What that does is it increases your circulation to the surface of your skin. So you start wasting heat with like um, increased circulation and sweating. 
And then as soon as you leave that hot environment, especially if you can go into a nice cool bedroom, um, you continue to lose heat out of the surface of your skin and it helps lower your core temperature. Yeah. So you get into this really nice deep sleep. Yeah. Um, so like we could do, we should, at some point we'll do a whole podcast on sleep. I yeah. just love sleep. I love talking about it. I love doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. Um, like maintenance stuff. Yeah. Do you want to talk about like? Like recovery, uh, mobility, um, that doesn't have to be something you do on your own. You know, you can treat yourself to a massage. You can do, you know, physio type stuff. Um, most of the high level athletes have a person, right, that travels with them and they do a thing. Um, ice baths, cold plunge has been a, a big thing recently. Hot tubs, saunas, any any of those things that help, you know, shock your system and, and increase your recovery um, are going to be beneficial. And there's a ton of different options out there mm -hmm. of all different price ranges. Yeah. A lot of that stuff seems to center around circulation. Yeah. Things that increase your circulation tend to help you recover. Yeah. So you kind of like, you get that lymphatic drainage of your metabolic waste products. It helps deliver, you know, better um, circulation delivers better like nutrients and amino acids and all this yeah. stuff that helps you repair and grow. So like just general daily movement, right? Yeah. Walk around, move around, try not to be too sedentary. Um Cold plunge and sauna both have that like mm -hmm. increase your your heart rate and the, the rate at which you're pumping your blood around your body. Yeah, massage is the same. Yeah, you know, moving fluids around and increasing circulation. There's two kind of worlds of thought on ice specifically because it used to be that if you had like an injury or whatever, they told you to put ice on it, and now there's conflicting evidence, and some people disagree with that. That if you put ice on the injury, all it does is inhibit. Uh, circulation in that one area, but it continues elsewhere. And so if you actually heat, it'll help increase circulation there. But then if you do an ice plunge, you're basically, you know, limiting your circulation. But then as soon as you're out of the ice plunge, your body goes into overdrive and it extra, like, increases the circulation to recover from the, the cold mm -hmm. plunge. So the like cold plunge into a sauna and back into the cold plunge is like supposed to be super good for helping with recovery. Mm -hmm. There's so much you can geek out with if you're, if you're really into it. Yeah. So on that note about recovering from an injury specifically and icing injuries. So inflammation is what happens when you get injured. We tend to talk about inflammation exclusively as a bad word. Yeah. Everything is like anti-inflammatory and blah, blah, blah. We're always trying to suppress inflammation. But inflammation exists for a reason. It's, it's there to help you. Yep. It's what helps you recover and repair from an injury. So it attracts you know, immune cells and heat and circulation and all that kind of stuff sort of um, disables the area maybe with swelling and prevents you from moving it too much. So when you're trying to heal from an injury, you don't really want to suppress inflammation in that area, which yeah. is why it's become, it's the more modern thing to not ice your injuries. Yeah. Let the inflammation, let the heat come to it. You also should not take um, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, the NSAIDs, the ibuprofen and Aleve and those kinds of things that suppress inflammation. It makes the recovery take longer yeah. and it makes the recovery process not happen as well. So yeah. if you want to repair and become a more robust person post damage or injury, yeah. you actually need to like let inflammation do its thing. Yeah. Like inflammation has its purpose. Yeah. Chronic inf inflammation is the main problem yeah. and the main cause of chronic inflammation is or nutrition. Shitty diet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> processed food. So yeah. um, the other things that assist in your recovery is you need to fuel yourself well with the things that you need to repair and recover and grow stronger. So the literal repair and growth is coming from 
uh, majority amino acids, yeah. protein. You need um, the right types of amino acids. You can think of amino acids as the, the pieces of Lego, and then the proteins are what you build out of the pieces of Lego. So there are um, essential amino acids or conditionally essential amino acids. There's 17 in total. Um, you need the right amounts, the right balance to repair your bone and your muscle and your tendons and your joint tissue and all that kind of stuff. Even supports your immune system, supports a proper amount of inflammation, not an excessive chronic amount. Right. So the hallmarks, the staples of a good quality diet for anybody that wishes to maximize their training benefit is, um, these would be my top ones, red meat. If you've been to my, any of my nutrition courses, you know, specifically, I talk a lot about liver <laughs> and trying to talk people into eating more liver. Liver is nature's multivitamin. Mm. Um, <laughs> mm, so tasty, though. Just eating up those multivitamins. <laughs> so uh, if you can't tell, David hates <laughs> liver as a result of uh, being forced to eat it as a kid, will not touch anything that remotely looks, smells, feels, tastes like liver. So I, I, I also don't like liver. I didn't yeah. grow up eating it. I don't have a taste for it. It's definitely an acquired taste. Yeah. Um, but my brain understands the nutritional value of it. So we try to hide it in things. Ground beef with organ meats mixed in. Yeah. Put it in like a chili or spaghetti sauce or a burger or something with quite a bit of flavor. You don't even notice it's there. I freeze raw liver in little strips are about half an ounce each. I take them out of the freezer. I chop them into little pill sized chunks and I just swallow them frozen whole like a vitamin. Yep. So if you can swallow a fish oil capsule, you could swallow a chunk of liver. Um, I pay the premium to get <laughs> dried liver capsules yes. and take those like a civilized adult, like a civilized grown up. That is option three is liver supplements. So it's just yeah. freeze dried, desiccated liver. And they just, pulverize it into a powder, put it in a capsule and you swallow the capsules and then you never had to look, touch, taste or feel the liver whatsoever. It's just more expensive. Yeah. Whereas like I buy a tray of liver, it's enough to last me like a month at the co-op for like $2.50. Like it's the cheapest, easiest thing. Get what you pay for. <laughs> <laughs> so red meat, because it has not only all of your proteins that you need, but like Iron, heme iron, the specific form of iron that you need to support the health of your red blood cells for your cardiovascular um, oxygen delivery system, your aerobic system, um, choline, all your B vitamins. You know, the organ meats are specifically high in uh, the fat soluble vitamin A, retinol, the animal form of vitamin A, creatine, creatine, carnitine, choline, like yeah. all these um, awesome nutrients that you need to like support all these enzymatic processes that are going on in the body. The other major thing I love is egg yolks, mm -hmm. specifically whole eggs. Eat the whole egg. The, the protein is in the white. Um, one of my crimes against nutrition <laughs> that I touch on in my Nutrition 101 course is eating only the egg whites and throwing out the yolk. Mm -hmm. And I'm always just like, oh, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> the egg yolk is literally one of the most nutritious things on earth. It contains all of the pieces needed to make life because it would be a baby chicken. Yeah. Um, and specifically some rare nutrients like choline is one of them. So acetylcholine is one of your like primary um, transmitters and muscular neurotransmitters um, that helps you initiate muscle contraction. We don't need to get too far into the weeds of like the biochemistry of that, but yeah. know that egg yolks are specifically um, beneficial in choline as well as, you know, lots of your other vitamins and minerals and um, nutrients and stuff. Egg yolks good. Got egg yolks good. Red meat. 
Organs. Eggs. <laughs> um, the high fat dairy products, if you can tolerate them, grass fed butter is awesome. Um, ghee is clarified butter. So they just remove the, the protein and water, the milk solids, and just gives you a clarified butter, just the fat. Both of those are fine. And most people, even if you have specific intolerances to dairy products, usually can tolerate butter and ghee fine. Yeah. Grass-fed butter is going to be higher in uh, vitamin K2, another one of your fat-soluble vitamins. K2 is the animal form as opposed to vitamin K1 that comes from green grass. The cows eat the green grass. Their gut bacteria ferments it into vitamin K2, a menaquinone form, usually the MK7 form is what you want. Vitamin K2 uh, is the master regulator of calcium in your body. Um, so it sends calcium to the right place, so it helps you repair uh, your bone, your skeletal structure. Calcium is also involved in like, you know, neuromuscular like nerve impulses. You know, it's one of your um, little ions that can go back and forth on either side of like your cell membranes to signal muscle contraction. So you need the right balance of calcium and you need it in the right place. Right. Um, so yeah, my top foods are red meat, organs, eggs, grass-fed butter. If you can tolerate dairy products, you can do like whole like heavy cream heavy, high-fat sour cream, fermented foods are great, yogurt, that kind of stuff. But basically, you're prioritizing protein. If you prioritize protein foods, nutrients tend to follow protein, mm -hmm. just in the way, the sort of structure of how food is created. Um, fat as an important carrier of all your fat-soluble vitamins. You need a good amount of saturated fat. Specifically, saturated fat is the building block of important hormones like testosterone, Testosterone. I that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the hormone most people are familiar with when it comes <laughs> to muscle growth. So if you want to increase testosterone production, you need to increase your intake of saturated fat. Um, saturated fat also supports good cholesterol health. Cholesterol is kind of a, it's a, got a bad reputation, undeservedly so. Mm -hmm. um, cholesterol is actually very supportive, very necessary to support all your functions of life. Even your mental health, right? There's definitely something to be said for keeping your mental game on point yeah. to be able to continue to train and, you know, um, stay mentally dedicated as well. Low cholesterol concentration in the prefrontal cortex of the brain is associated with mood disorders, depression, anxiety, um, inability to make good decisions and inability to inhibit bad decisions. So um, specifically violent crime, um, people with low prefrontal cortex concentration of um, cholesterol also are more likely to commit suicide and more likely to commit suicide via violent methods. So mm. definitely cholesterol is super important for supporting your brain, mental health, yep. hormonal health, all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, we could go on about that for two hours. <laughs> and I'm sure one day we will. <laughs> I'm sure one day we will. Um, so we're supporting our recovery yep. with protein and nutrients, good healthy fats, you can sprinkle in um, safe starches, carbohydrates as needed, trying to avoid, you know, the processed sugars, yeah. um, refined grains or like things high in fructose, which are like not ideal. We'll talk about that more in the in the next one. We're going to talk about how to get lean. Yeah. Um, but basically like sprinkle in carbohydrates as a performance enhancer yep. here and there, um, depending on how often you're training, how much, how hard and how close you are to your ideal body composition. Right. But basically. Eat a steak. Eat a steak. Steak and eggs. Steak and eggs. Perfect food. Garlic <laughs> butter. <laughs> so on that same theme of habits outside the gym, the things that specifically inhibit 
recovery mm-hmm. or positive adaptations to all of the work that you did in the gym, one of the big ones would be alcohol. Alcohol. Oh, sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Yeah. Wah, wah. So you're saying it's better to have post-workout beers than pre-workout beers or vice versa? Uh, I think maybe vice versa. I think pre-workout, yeah, okay. pre-workout beers. <laughs> we need to do the beer mile. Often. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone was really under the impression that like alcohol is good for recovery. No. Nope. Um, it's a toxin. It, you know dehydrates you dehydrates you it suppresses immune function and overtaxes the liver um you know definitely damaging to the neurons in the brain so it makes it more difficult to learn so we were talking about the neurological adaptations of our high coordination movements Mm -hmm. um so those adaptations the one thing the ones that you specifically want to happen in your like muscle brain connection alcohol is going to inhibit your progress with those ones uh such a bummer not that you can never have it just just understand that, you know, there's a, I remember hearing an analogy one time, you're floating in a body of water and you're wearing water wings and you have a backpack on and some things put air in your water wings and help you float. And some things put rocks in your backpack Mm. and alcohol is rocks in your backpack. (laughs) So if you do it too much, you're going to sink. Okay. Good Uh to know. (laughs) Sleep, right? We talked about the benefits of good sleep disordered sleep, you know, suppresses growth hormones, suppresses testosterone, you know, um, suppresses your immune system. And alcohol affects your sleep. Alcohol also inhibits your ability to have good restful sleep. So it inhibits your ability to get into deep sleep, your slow wave sleep, and also like grossly inhibits REM sleep. And REM sleep is where you do the majority of your um, emotional processing and learning. So again, there with the connection to like your neurological adaptations, um, not enough sleep. So like short sleep, anything seven hours or less, you get the majority of your REM sleep in the last two hours before waking. So the like between six and eight or between mm-hmm. seven and nine hours of a full night's sleep. So even if you're like, oh, I slept for six hours, like close enough, you're like, oh, but you didn't just lose like a quarter of your sleep. Yeah. You lost almost a hundred percent of your REM sleep. So, um, you can't run your body that hard and be sleep deprived all the time. Okay. Um, and processed food. Yeah. Yeah. So sugar particularly I, bad i notice a hundred percent that i sleep worse and feel worse after i have like we had pizza for halloween recently and i felt like garbage that night mm-hmm. and going to sleep i didn't sleep as well and then the next day it was just like Bleh. yeah and we even notice that with our kids if we have a day where they eat more junk food or whatever which is like not that often but mm-hmm. um dash our five-year-old will like toss and turn all night and yeah. he'll be like way more like active and twitchy and you can tell he's not in a good yeah. deep recovery sleep. So um, those um, excursions of your blood sugar, so like those peaks and valleys are stressful on yeah. the body. So you're, um, when you're hitting the, the peak, out comes a flood of like insulin. Insulin in small amounts can be beneficial, but in large amounts, um, quite toxic, quite harmful. But then the valleys as well come with like, when you're low sugar, when you kind of overcorrect after you know, a big processed food meal that comes with a flood of stress hormones to try to get your liver to spit out more sugar and keep your blood sugar balanced. So Mm -hmm. you're just on this like wild ride of, of insulin and stress hormones when you're eating carbohydrates all the time. Um, omega six processed vegetable oils. You know, that's like my big soapbox thing. If you're going to make one change to your nutrition, that's going to benefit you the most. It's zero seed oils. Yeah zero never there's no situation where you should ever eat a seed oil 
people always think I'm going to say sugar because I'm like a, everyone knows I'm like a low carb person. You think, what's yep. the one thing you should never eat? People think I'm going to say sugar. You can actually eat some sugar sometimes. Your body has a method of processing it. You can use it beneficially, strategically yep. here and there. The thing you need to never consume are the processed vegetable oils. Yeah. We've had sugar in our diet. Like there's been fruit for a long time. Yeah. Fruit, you know? honey, whatever. You have a, you have an ability to, to handle some. Yeah. Um, but the processed seed oils. Those are new. Never. Yeah. They are not made of vegetables. <laughs> People uh, often go like, well, what's a vegetable oil? Like, is that olive oil? Like, no, those are fruit fats. Mm-hmm. So your fruit fats are um, coconut, olive oil, avocado. Yeah. The vegetable oils are actually more accurately should be called processed seed oils because they come from seeds. Yeah. Canola oil being the big one, corn oil, soybean oil, um, sunflower, safflower, rice bran oil. um, Those are the big ones. Yeah. So you need to read food labels, acquaint yourself with that list, and avoid those at all costs. Yeah. And it's tough because they're in everything. I'm saying that like it's an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do. They are everywhere if you look at any baked good or packaged thing that's on a shelf somewhere like 99 percent chance there's some sort of canola oil mm-hmm. or hydrogenated whatever so by saying zero seed oils what i'm actually saying is you're never going to eat any processed food again <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry uh, but they're so in some ways it's really hard to do if you rely on a lot of processed or restaurant or takeout food. Mm-hmm. But then in other ways, it's a super easy thing because you don't really have to give up anything. You don't have to cut your calories. You don't have to, you know, there's no specific foods that you need to cut out. You're just going to switch the type of fats that you yeah. cook with. So we made French fries the other night, like old school, classic fried, deep fried in beef tallow. Yeah. I get the beef tallow from a local local butcher called Pig and Pantry. Yeah. Um, so we made that's how all fries were made until the mid nineties when the fast food company switched to vegetable oil, canola oil or soybean oil. Usually you can still cook things in fat, right? Your vegetables or your fry your eggs or whatever, but you're going to use butter or bacon fat or coconut oil. You know, you're just going to switch out the types of fats. You can yep. still make salad dressings. You're yep. just going to use olive oil instead of vegetable oil. Like I was just going to say salad dressings are the tough one. Cause people often get a salad thinking they're like, Oh, I'm making a good choice, mm-hmm. but that, Dressing is made of canola oil yeah. or some other kind. Soybean oil, yeah, usually. Yeah. yeah, you're way better off with one you made yourself. Yeah. So what that is going to do is force you to cook at home. <laughs> There's which is, which more is good. cost effective anyways. Yeah, it's better, but you're going to have to develop some skills. So um, eat real food yep. is the, the major message there. Eat real food, whole, unprocessed meats, fats, sprinkle in some vegetables, good things in small amounts, you know, some yeah. nuts, maybe a little bit of honey, like some other dark chocolate, some other yeah. like tasty things that are nutritionally beneficial in small amounts, like yeah. real food. So how to get fitter in conclusion? Oh, you got to try harder. Got to try harder. <laughs> how are you going to try harder? Strategically, yeah. you're going to apply intensity where you have mechanics and consistency. Yep. You're going to pay your dues, spend your time building mechanics and consistency. Yep. You're going to work on your weaknesses, but not to a fault that Mm -hmm. other strengths become weaknesses. Mm -hmm. You're going to approach a workout for the training benefit more so than the gaming or maximizing the score necessarily. So you're going to go in it with a goal or with a mindset of what you're trying to get out of the workout. Yeah. Make a goal. Um, And then you're going to support recovering and getting the maximum adaptation 
that you can from your time in the gym, yep. outside the gym with good food, good sleep, purposeful rest days, yep. active recovery, lots of general daily movement. We didn't really talk about sun, but like going outside, vitamin D, um, and, and that kind of goes along with our general daily movement, like go for a walk. Yep. Get your, another part of supporting good sleep is like having bright daylight exposure early in the day. Like, I mean, again, we could do a whole podcast yep. on sleep, but um, yeah, lots of general daily movement. Yep. Take care of your body. Get eat, massages. Eat well, sleep well. Sauna. Yeah. Repair, recover, maintenance stuff. And then you'll be fitter. And then you'll be fitter. <laughs> it's as easy as that. So in part three, we're going to talk about how to get leaner, okay. improve your body composition. Mm. So we'll see you next time. Thank you.